it's striking how kind of like my mindset going into college was one thing and then coming out I, I was doing something completely different but not in a bad way that I, I wasn't thinking to myself like you know wow what where, where things go wrong here uh, it was just kind of like a continuum after a less than stellar grade in his intro chem class Lewis Chang felt his chances of med school slip away but instead of pursuing one of his many other interests he doubled down and became a chemistry major facing the challenge head-on that mix of tenacity and trying something new came in handy again later when he did eventually become a doctor but not in the specialty that had once seemed faded Find out how trying a little bit of everything before going all in can lead to a life of no regrets on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today I'm here with Lewis Chang and we are going to talk about all the things we expect and all the things we don't expect and how it gets us to where we are. So Lewis, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Great. So when I do these interviews, I start with the same two questions, and they are these. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? Mm. When I uh, started college, when I uh, got into Dartmouth, I was elated. I was, I was so happy that I was going to finally leave New York City and embark on my journey of independence and I I was very regimented. I remember in high school, probably started in junior high school, I mean I had daily tasks that I would kind of outline for myself. I had well I broke it down to like maybe like long term goals, medium term goals and short term goals, and then I would break it down to like daily tasks that I would have to do to get to those goals. And then if I didn't get to those tasks that day, then I would kind of move it over to the following day. I was very determined. I was very diligent about this throughout much of middle school and and high school. And I think a lot of us are kind of like that. I mean, maybe, you know, I I wrote things down, but a a lot of us maybe just did it mentally. And I had this interest, this, this passion of going into medicine, even even early on. And, and I don't know exactly what kind of inspired me into that. Maybe it was just kind of like, you know, pop culture stuff that I was exposed to my parents, especially my late father, who was very influential in my life. You know, all these things kind of added up. So it's hard to say exactly what kind of drove me in that direction. But I also did a lot of volunteer work in high school too. And I did, uh, four years of volunteering at a local hospital in Brooklyn, where I grew up. It was kind of a funny volunteer program. It wasn't just showing up and being assigned to transport a patient or bring this to there or being a a unit clerk or something like that. They had a program and there were a lot of kids that signed up for it. And they had classes uh, that were given by the more senior volunteers, maybe college students on, you know, basic anatomy, basic pharmacology, things, just background information for medicine. And I stuck through it all four years. I I was, I was very, very interested in, in doing that. And, and by the end, the bonus, the prize of getting up to the ranks in that volunteer program is that you get to shadow a uh, subspecialty or specialty of your choice. I shadowed the urology department there 
towards the end. And it was just a, a great experience. And I think all these things kind of really drove me to think about what I want to do later on. And so when I went to Dartmouth, I already had this expectation, this goal of going through as a pre-med and graduating, jumping into medical school, doing the four years, doing the residency, whatever number of years of residency, depending on the specialty, becoming doctor. I mean, like everything is just all defined, all like predetermined, just like the way I kind Your of- lists and goals Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just like my daily tasks, my long-term goal, my short-term, everything was just kind of like very just spelled out for me by myself. And that was, you know, basically the me, the, the Lewis going into, into uh, school and everything just kind of changed, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of a little bit suddenly, but then over the course of the following few years through college, I just started taking all these different classes and I was kind of toying with the idea of uh, maybe double majoring in like a basic science, but with something else like, like government or even German. I mean, it was just like these things were, they weren't like really uh, like a sustained, you know, thought for, for a few years, but I was kind of working towards, you know, the, the course requirement for some of these minors or, or double majors. But in the end, I, I actually majored in hard science. But when I was, well, about to graduate or leaving college, I, I didn't end up going into medical school directly like I had envisioned. It was quite different. And I actually didn't go to medical school until four years after graduating from college. So I took quite a bit of time off to do other things and to pursue other interests that I found while I was in college. Was that a, a direct, like, I had so many opportunities in this liberal arts environment to try things and didn't even know I was going to love them. And wow, maybe there are other things. Was the thought, I need to take this time to explore those because I know I still want to do medicine and that will be a prescribed path? Or is it, I want to do these things now just in case it turns into something other than medicine? I think it was probably more of the latter. Oh, yeah, it's kind of uh, strange. I'm I'm trying to trying to think back into what my mindset was yeah. at that time. I wasn't so sure that I was going to necessarily go into medicine when I was about to graduate. In fact, I put off taking the MCAT, which mm. was the admission test for for medical schools. I didn't take it until be a year and a half uh, after I graduated from college. I think when I was going through college, I thought, yeah, uh, you know, I really liked medicine. I thought I was going to be a doctor and, and I really want to do that. But now I'm not so sure. And I found this other passion, which was chemistry. <laughs> it's kind of funny. My freshman year, taking one of the intro chemistry courses, I remember I, I struggled and, and I took AP chemistry. I thought I was good in science and, uh, you know, but I still studied. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't take anything for granted. I, I still worked hard and, 
But it was a big class and it was one of those very competitive classes. And there were just so many smart people in my class to compete with. I remember I got my final exam back and I knew what I was going to end up with. Um, I ended up with a, a C plus in one of these intro chemistry classes and I was just devastated. And I thought to myself, wow, I, I think my chances of becoming doctor is pretty much over <laughs> you know, one class, you know, but that was my mindset back then. You know, I thought I had to be perfect straight A student or at least an A minus student or something like that. But maybe that was a gift, right? So if that was even fleetingly an idea that you had that, okay, this is over, that dream is over. Now I better embrace some other things and go take some courses in German and all of these things. Maybe that was a gift because you ultimately recognized, okay, no, I can do my own path, but you know. Yeah, I, I think that was part of it. It, it kind of made me think about other things. But at the same time, I did what I thought would make the most sense, which was major in chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, well, you know, this really challenged me. And, and I think I'm going to try to prove it to myself that I actually could do this. Nice. And I could come through it and do better than a C plus going forward. So <laughs> it was both. I mean, I think it was probably like, yeah, you know, there, there are a lot of other things out there that I could also study. But at the same time, like, I, I want to, you know, take my deficiencies head on, you know, just kind of, you know, go through it. And I ended up really loving chemistry. And actually, I did okay. I did, I did all right in the end. And I had a lot of good mentors in chemistry. And I sub-specialized, I guess. I don't know what you call it back then. But I fell in love with organic chemistry. And that's kind of like how I ended up after college. I, uh, I ended up at Bethesda. I found a research opportunity with the NIH doing organic chemistry research as it pertains to medicinal chemistry. So, yeah, I mean, all these things kind of like kind of shaped me away from medicine a little bit. And I actually thought maybe I should, you know, get a PhD in chemistry. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually on the track for that just for a short period of time. I, so my preceptor at NIH, he has uh, or he had an adjunct professor role with a, a university, and he asked me to be his first graduate student with the intent of five, six years or whatever it is to get a PhD in chemistry. So I went through all that. I, I then took the GRE and did all the admission things. And uh, yeah, I, I st actually started the coursework and, and the track of becoming a PhD in chemistry. And then maybe uh, a year into it, I just I just thought, well, yeah, I'm not so sure about this anymore. <laughs> but let me try something else, but still within organic chemistry. So I got a, uh, a job in San Diego working in a biopharmaceutical company doing uh, research, but, you know, in the private sector. Uh, thinking back, it's striking how kind of like my mindset going into college was one thing and then coming out, I, I was doing something completely different, but not in a bad way. Not, I, I wasn't thinking to myself like, you know, wow, what, where, where things go wrong here? Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of like a continuum. But then, you know, in the end, 
I just kind of got back to what I wanted to do in the first place, which is fine because I could have ended up being a PhD organic chemist right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just where my interests, you know, kind of led me and, and what I wanted to do later on. So. Yeah. So what was the moment where you thought, okay, I got to take that MCAT and I think I'm, I want to get back on the track? Yeah. You know, I, I, I really, I mean, I enjoyed doing chemistry research and bench research, but I just, I just thought it was a little bit in a way isolating and I really enjoyed interacting with people. And I don't know, it was just one of those things where I, it wasn't like an aha moment or anything. Yeah. It was just you know, I tried it for a little while and I thought, well, this is interesting. And I love the the mental exercise of synthesizing compounds and doing all that. But sometimes I think doing experiments also were, I don't know, a little bit frustrating to me sometimes. <laughs> and and I, I thought, well, maybe I should reconsider. Uh, I really, you know, I liked medicine and, and I've always wanted to go into that. So why don't I just take the study for it and take the MCAT. So I'll have that in my back pocket just in case. But I, I actually didn't end up applying for medical school until, you know, maybe, I don't know, a couple of years after I took the MCAT because I, I then uh, explored the career of law too <laughs> for a short period of time. So, so after my stint in San Diego, I was there for about a year working in industry, biopharmaceutical. I wanted to move back to the East Coast because 80, 75, 80 degree weather, bright and sunny every day, it was just too boring. I, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to have that four seasons again. Mm -hmm. But but really, I um, you know I thought to myself, well, there's another part of me that was interested in in law, maybe government. So let's just give it a little bit, you know, maybe a hot minute to, to see what that's like. And so I, I looked around, I got a, a job as a legal assistant at a very prominent uh, corporate law firm in, in Washington, D.C. And that was the other thing that Dartmouth, I think, kind of shaped that path was, you know, I, I don't know what language you, you took in. Italian. In, yeah. Italian. And then did you go abroad mm -hmm. to Italy? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that was really encouraged we were really encouraged to do that one semester abroad to really, you know, solidify our language skills. And I should have done that with German because I think I would, it would have been useful later on yeah. for me. Uh, but instead I chose the away program to Washington DC with the government program. Oh, so that's why I was, I was, yeah, kind of thinking, should I double major in Govey or, or minor in Govey? Yeah. But I had a, fantastic time. I mean, it was like, you know, it was such a great rotation or uh, an, an away semester for me. And I also fell in love with DC. I mean, I, I was there for probably a couple of trips before then, but this was like the first time that I was in DC for an extended period of time. And I just loved it. We, we stayed at some like extended stay hotel in Roslyn, Virginia, which is like Northern Virginia. And my internship was near the White House. And it was with, uh, actually, this is kind of interesting. This is how I kind of meshed chemistry with, with government. You know, we all had to intern at a society or, or you know, some kind of, you know, government. Um, Agency or something. Yeah, exactly. And I reached out to 
one of the synthetic organic chemistry manufacturing organizations based out of DC. Like a lob- lobby group, lobbyist group? It was a lobby group. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and uh, they accepted me, they took me on and it was great. So I got to see the legislative side and the regulatory side of chemistry. But, you know, it was it was a fantastic time. We I remember there were many days that my friend and I would actually walk from Northern Virginia all the way into DC and it was like, wow, I mean it was like it was a long walk, but <laughs> it was beautiful though. And that kind of reverberated I mean I really remembered it when it was time to figure out what I was going to do after graduation. And there were a few things I was toying with, but working at NIH really interested me for research side of things, but also being in the DC region. And then when I went to come back from San Diego, you know, that kind of that experience, that memory kind of led me to look into DC again, instead of you know Chicago or New York City, mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that that experience at the law firm was good, too. I mean, I I can't say anything bad about it. I just it wasn't what I wanted to do, though. Yeah. And and within a few months of starting it, I thought, yeah, I can't see myself doing this day in and day out. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to have that knowledge, like the firsthand knowledge, trying it and then realizing I I actually expected you to say that you took the. LSAT, LSAT because you'd already <laughs> taken everything else. So anyway, but it seems like you yeah. got out before that, recognizing this might not be the place for you. So you did have the MCAT yeah. under your belt, so you could apply at that point, kind of recognizing that there you were back to your old lists. And, and um, so right. kind of we've, we've talked to a lot of doctors. We know kind of this whole progression. You had already gotten a taste of some of those rotations in your earlier volunteer life um, experiences. So when was it that you kind of pinpointed where your place in medicine was going to be? You, you mean the specialty within mm-hmm. medicine or just... So I didn't really figure out what I want to do in medicine until probably my third year of medical school. But I thought, I thought I was going to go into urology. Right. Cause you'd be- been with them. Yeah. Because, uh, again, you know, my, my exposure to that field in high school, I was what 16, 17 years old. And I was back then it was a different time. I mean, like as, as a high school student, I was in the operating room <laughs> with, with these urologists and they were doing, nephrectomies and and all these great surgical procedures at the time that I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And then I also shadowed them in in clinic and I was with them day in and day out. I mean, um, uh, I still remember one of them taking me to the U S open, the tennis uh, tournament. (laughs) He was a big tennis, tennis fan. And, and uh, I really, you know, I I still play tennis, not, not good anymore, but I, uh, I'm a very avid tennis fan. So all these like very positive experiences kind of, you know, shape my perception of like, wow, you know, urology is kind of a cool field that you get to do a little bit of medicine, a little bit of surgery. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of been very uh, interested in doing things with my hands and taking things apart, putting things back together. So I just thought that this was a good field for me. And then in medical school, 
During our first year, we have to do kind of like a observership with, with a clinician in their office setting. And I would say like the vast majority, maybe 90% of us would be assigned to like a primary care physician or, you know, an internist or, you know, some, some very general practitioner. So you kind of get a feel of what, you know, just a breadth of what's out there. I was in that small subset that was assigned to a subspecialist and they had no idea. I mean, they didn't, the assignment had nothing to do with your background or anything like that. So somehow I was assigned to a urologist. Oh gosh. So I thought, well, this is a sign. I mean, this is, this has got to be, I, I was destined to be a urologist yeah. and, and uh, no, I had a great experience with him too. And so when it came time to pick our elective rotations, actually towards the end of third, maybe fourth year, of course I picked uh, urology rotation. Uh, at the same time, I thought, well, you know what? I, I really enjoy, I knew it was going to be something surgical. I knew I wanted to go into surgery. Uh, I enjoyed uh, neurology uh, rotation. I enjoyed neuroscience. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll do that as well. I'll, I'll do a rotation in neurosurgery. And I remember doing the urology rotation first and coming out of it, I thought to myself, yeah, this was kind of, this was kind of boring actually. <laughs> and no offense to any urologist right. out there to me. And I think it was just kind of like the experience that I had because a lot of uh, the urology procedures that I observed were just a one person kind of, you know, they didn't need really any assistance in doing like cystoscopies or uh, these procedures. And so I was just kind of like, you know, just against the wall, just watching and just, you know, trying to absorb, but I wasn't really getting uh, into the action, so to speak. But, but then I did my um, rotation with the neurosurgery department at the medical school, and it was like a totally different experience. I mean, they had me scrub in, um, they, of course, under supervision and guidance, uh, I put in uh, screws in the back, you know, pedicle screws uh, for, for fusions. And I mean, I was, it was hands-on, I mean, from, from day one. And it was just such a, such a great experience. And the chairman there was, he was just so, he was very affable, very, you know, it's it, a lot of, you know, a lot of what happens to us, it also is kind of determined by like the people that we meet too. Not, not just like, you know, the profession itself or, you know, but, but the people we meet are could be very influential. And this chairman was just like, he was just such a personality. And he was just uh, really took me under his wings and kind of guided me and, and mentored me. And, and then I said, well, you know, I, I think, you know, between the two, I, I would definitely want to go into neurosurgery over urology. And, uh, and then I did a couple more rotations. These were uh, external rotations. Uh, not surprisingly, these rotations were down in this area, one Baltimore, one in a couple of in D.C. So I just knew geographically this is where I want to end up. And so, yeah, in the end, I, I did match in a neurosurgery residency in Baltimore. So it took it took a while and, and to figure out what subspecialty I was going to go into. And I never in a million years would think that neurosurgery was going to be what I was going to go into. And, and I, in fact, 
I remember when I just got into medical school, I uh, went over to a friend's house who we, we grew up together in the same neighborhood in Brooklyn. I mean, I had known him since third grade and his father kind of jokingly said to me, so what are you going to go into neurosurgery? And I just kind of laughed. I said, no way, I'm not going into that field because it's so demanding, so stressful from what I envisioned, what I knew of it, that I would never in a million years go into neurosurgery. And and then he just said, kind of jokingly, oh, what are you afraid of brain and blood? And I'm, I just said, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. it. <laughs> but uh, I, I blew that off from the very beginning. And luckily, you know, I'd never really had that kind of take hold in my in my thought because I, you know, eventually I, this is what I became. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And I remember when you said um, that you'd realized that bench science might be not for you because it was isolating. It's interesting that when looking in urology, which you had thought might be an option, you didn't like it because it was like they didn't need assistance. and It was kind of a one man show. And then you got into this kind of, yes, high stress, but team sport, if you will. And so that seems to suit you more and maybe more of the kind of bringing the people part of law or govy or whatever into it. I don't know. Is there anything? That's interesting. Yeah. I I never really analyzed that before myself, but I appreciate you pointing that out. I guess I didn't really. Yeah. So day to day, you're my first neurosurgeon, I think, that I that I know. So day to day, what does neurosurgery look like? And I, my guess is there are many flavors of that. And so Mm -hmm. maybe just talk from your own perspective of what you do. Yeah, there are, there are many flavors of that. So you could be a a general neurosurgeon where uh, you're basically, you know, jack of all trades. You could do cranial, spine, even peripheral nerve, meaning like carpal tunnel release, things like that. And that, that was basically what when I finished residency, I, I was basically a general neurosurgeon. And then the other flavor is that you could either go into academics or kind of like a you know community neurosurgery role. And then now there's a lot, a lot of like hybrids. You could be in private practice and in community neurosurgery, but then be involved in an academic program. It's a little bit blur now. The, the, this this field. And that was the other thing that was really kind of surprising to me looking back is I, I didn't think I was ever going to go into academic neurosurgery. Um, I started out in, as community neurosurgeon, and I was fine with that. I was, I was quite happy with it. But uh, over the years, I guess there were different things that, that occurred and, and kind of evolved. And, and then um, everything in my life has been like kind of like – delayed, you know, meeting with you was delayed. I didn't do a fellowship immediately after residency. I I worked for several years and then I went back and did a fellowship to subspecialize even more. So now I'm not so much a general neurosurgeon, but I'm a neurosurgeon subspecialized in spine. Mm -hmm. So if you look at these, um, a lot of these academic programs, you will see like, you know, everybody is kind of pigeonholed uh, or, or specialized in a certain little niche of part of that field. So we have neurosurgeons that are specialized in brain tumors. And then you have functional neurosurgeons who do cranial surgeries, but they 
treat conditions, movement disorder conditions like Parkinson's and things like that. Then the spine surgeons like myself, and then even within the subset of spine surgeons, you'll have spine surgeons that specialize in what they call complex spine, like scoliosis correction, Mm. you know, deformities, things like that, like major reconstruction of the spine. Then you have spine surgeons that that may specialize in tumors. Uh, Like myself, my subset is, uh, is minimally invasive spine surgery. And you could use that for a lot of different things too, like not just degenerative spine conditions, but you could also use that in, in certain deformity corrections to some degree. And so I think to go back to your question, what's my day-to-day? My day-to-day is a little bit different than like a general neurosurgeon. You know, I'll see patients in clinic, just like every other neurosurgeon out there. I'll see what condition, what what's going on with them, and if they need further conservative treatment, I will refer them to like, let's say physical therapy or pain management, stuff like that. If they've already tried it, if there's something that they need, you know, I think a surgery could help them. Then I'll talk to them about what surgery that would be, how I would do it. And then kind of, you know, let them decide if that's what they want to do and then schedule them for surgery. So that's one component. That's like my more sane schedule and then every once in a while, I'm on call or one of my colleagues is on call who's not specialized in spine and something will come in and will need more of an urgent or emergent surgical management of that issue. Then that becomes, okay, well, all right, I got to drop what I'm doing. I got to find time for this surgery and, and put it on. And so that's more of like the unpredictable part of my life. You know, and I think one of the sessions that we were playing on, that's what happened. You know, I was on call that weekend. Something came in. I had to reschedule because I had to do that surgery. So, so that's another facet of my life. You know, part of my day-to-day would be in the office or seeing patients in the hospital. And part of my other office is the operating room. I mean, that, that probably consumes, you know, who, who, I don't know maybe 50% of my, mm-hmm. my time. And then there's another subset of my time that's devoted to academic pursuits. So um, publications, doing research, clinical research, mentoring students, residents. Uh, you know, I have different hats now. I think my life has become a little bit more, broad, a little bit broader, yeah. uh, a, little, a little bit uh, more responsibilities and expectations and uh, a little busier too. Yeah. Well, and that is the direct, I don't know, response to where you had been before, your predictable lists and tasks, and I know the path. And then there's a deviation that opens you up to more diversity of things and the different hats that you were wearing as a student. Now you're wearing those different hats in your own field. So that sounds about right for where you are. Uh, I wouldn't say everything in your life has been delayed. It's just been kind of broadened by these extra experiences. So Yeah, I think there are more like detours, I guess, uh, in a way. But I think that, I mean, they're, they're necessary detours because I think if, if I didn't have those experiences, I mean, there'd be part of me that will have some kind of regret. Like, you know, should I have done this? Maybe I should have been a corporate lawyer, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, or research scientist or, or something, you know? But now that I have that 
you know, in my background, uh, my experience, I, I could say, well, you know, I've tried that and I like this more. I like what I'm doing right now more. And I think the same with my subspecialty. I knew what urology was from the eyes of, you know, maybe a high school student, a medical student, but I enjoy doing what I'm doing now more than what I potentially could, could be doing as a urologist. And in some ways, I kind of think the same of, you know, where I am now in academic neurosurgery versus uh, community neurosurgery. You know, I, I just feel like I have a little bit more impact in the field. You know, I think all these things kind of, you know, just shape where we end up eventually. You know, I, I don't make lists anymore, really. <laughs> I was going to ask you. I mean, I, I've given up on that. <laughs> yeah, now, I think know. that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, especially now with a couple of kids, I definitely don't make lists. You know, whatever happens, happens. That's right. But I think doing that initially was very good in kind of keeping me focused on, on certain things. But now it just kind of, you know, kind of ride the wave a little bit. You know, I've, you know I'm almost 50 years old and I've seen a lot. I've kind of experienced a lot. And, and now I, you know, maybe a little bit more attuned to my limitations and my preferences, you know, and now I could kind of be a little bit more flexible, you know, a little bit more off the cuff, you know, and, and just kind of take things, you know, where things lead me. Yeah, well, it seems like things have led you in great ways and in your ability to take experiences that might not have been on the original list, you can say that you've lived with no regrets and I, I love that for you. We'll see where the next things take you, um, but right now, so grateful that you shared all of this with us. So thanks so much, Lewis. Thank you very much. Thanks, Leslie. That was Louis Chang, a neurosurgical spine specialist with expertise in minimally invasive surgery for spinal disorders. He also is an assistant professor of neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins Medicine. Here's a show note. We're just a couple episodes away from our planned fall hiatus. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll be able to access all of our past episodes and you'll be alerted to when the next season will resume. That way, when we're back, you'll automatically start getting new episodes delivered to you, featuring another set of guests and me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on Road Taken.